Father, we thank you um, that you are enough for us. As Buddy shared earlier, that um, you went to the cross. There was a joy set before you, and you willingly went to shed your blood for us, for our sins, um, for the sins of the world. I thank you, God, for um, just this opportunity that we have to stand here today and sing songs and, and hear your word preached, which is impossible for many people around the world. I pray, God, that you would uh, stir our hearts and our affections for you. And just as we heard of these guys going this summer to learn how to lean in to your word um, and to know how to share uh, the love of Christ with others, God. I, I pray that we would be so bold as to speak of what you've done for us uh, and the truths that, that we know. And I pray, God, in the midst of all that, that our hearts would be ones of love and gratitude. And when we speak from a place of love and gratitude, God, and grace those are things that you use uh, in other people to break down walls so we thank you Lord for today we thank you for these moments you've given us in Jesus name Amen. You be seated. I'm Meredith Holmes and Mike's wife and our scripture reading for today is 1st Peter 3 1 through 7 Likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the impermissible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn her themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, yeah, I feel like I um, hit the lottery with Meredith being my wife, but this scripture passage on the other hand, <laughs> you know, I'm a, if, you know, if you're new here, I'm one of the associate pastors here, so I preach every so often, and you know, you ever heard that phrase that, uh, that you've just drawn the short stick? <laughs> well, I was given the short stick this week, I believe. Uh, I don't even know how to start with this. What do we do? You know, you say, women, if your hair is braided this morning, you got on some jewelry, get on your knees and repent <laughs> of your evil ways, you know? Uh, anyway, so just because of the passage, like, I was like, you know, I don't want to even read that. You know, it's like, <laughs> let Meredith read it. And I told her she had to because I'm the man, you know what I'm saying? That's what, <laughs> what the, read your Bible, you know? No, but in all truth, there are, there are no short sticks in Scripture, right? We uh, have said here over and over again that we are unapologetically Allen Bible Church. We exalt the Word of God. We seek to teach the whole counsel of God no matter what, uh, because I've seen in the past, you know, pastors who, you know, I've even had relationships with them, and 
coming to a passage of Scripture, and there's some theological difficulties. Like, all right, wonder how they're going to handle this. And they just kind of skim over it and don't mean it. I was like, that's just not the way to go. And so this ver- these verses that we've just read right here um, are, are so helpful uh, to us. But we have to keep all, the, all passages of Scripture in context of the whole Word of God. And specifically this morning, we want to keep this passage in context of where we've been just the past few weeks. Because this... Um, these verses here, 3, 1 through 7, it's kind of could be like a mini-series, a three-week mini-series within the larger series of 1 Peter. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about government, right? And so you can even look back. We have a slide. 1 Peter 2, verse 13, it says, Hey, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And then as we drew that out, sometimes the human institutions in which we are to be subject to, uh, to be submissive to, uh, they're not great. They're unfair. They could be actually not, not about the Lord and His purposes at all. But we are subject to them. Why? Because we are subject to them because of who the Lord is. So we went from government and human institutions to last week we're looking at what it means to be subject to, be submissive to, you know, authorities over us specifically, like in the workplace. Uh, servants, be subject to your own masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. And so here's what we've got. So we've got two weeks in a row of, you know, the push on us from God's word is to be subject to, be submissive to leadership, even when it doesn't really seem like it's fair, and even if it doesn't seem like it's good. And so this morning, verses one through seven of chapter three kind of continues the same thing. So what we have here is we have a, a handful of verses that are going to talk about wives, likewise wives. You know, as we talked about being subject to governing institutions, being subject to those who are over you, likewise wives. You see, here's how God sets up the family. God sets up the family uh, with the male, with the husband, I should say, as the leader of the household. Now, that does not mean that all women are subject to all men. That's not what the Bible says at all. This is about a household model, right? This is about husbands and wives. And when we see right here, verse 1 starts with, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, that's something that we have to identify. We need to define that. Each week, What I love to do on Wednesday nights is I work with our fifth and sixth graders. And what we do is we take the sermon from the previous Sunday, because many of them are in here, and we just kind of break it down a little bit further. And we have to clarify language often, because when we're just reading through text, sometimes fifth and sixth graders, they don't understand certain words. And I believe it's the same with us with certain words and concepts. But what we have here with this be subject to, let's get a working definition on the screen there for us. Be subject to is to arrange under voluntarily relinquishing your position for the greater good. So if you think about submission or being subject to, you know, what does that mean? Does that, that does not mean that you are coerced, okay? That means that you have voluntarily, you have chosen because of who Christ is in you, because of who God is, and because of the example that he set, and we looked really hard at that last week in our passage from last Sunday, you choose to do that. You arrange yourself under, and that is your choosing. And you do that out of, for the glory 
of God for the greater good, you see? That's what it is. And so it's not just, if you just look at the passages that we're reading here, that's just not a woman thing. That's just not a wife thing. Because when we started two weeks ago, when we started to say, be subject to the governing authorities, who was that to? That was to everyone, right? Last week when we said, okay, be subject to your masters or your bosses, that was to everyone, male and female. And then today we're going to get, hey, likewise wives, and then we get likewise husbands. And then if you follow it through next Sunday, the first three words of our sermon from ne- for next Sunday, finally all of you. So submission is not a, des- a gender thing. But let's do this. So we're going to look this morning at this passage where we're really talking about wives What should their conduct be? How should they respond to unbelieving husbands, right? So you might be a woman married to a husband who, as the scripture says here, does not follow the word of God. What is your role and responsibility there? And then we'll get to husbands. You know, if we're following the theme, likewise husbands, like likewise wives, being subject to authority that sometimes, "Eh, I know, what does it mean for you to live in a household where your wife may not be following the Lord? That's, that's where we are. So this passage on marriage is not really the passage, the grid, the framework for, by which believing husbands and wives ought to operate. It definitely is part of it, but it's not the whole thing. The biggest passage we have in the New Testament on marriage comes out of Ephesians chapter 5, and it teaches us some things there about submission, being subject to. And you know where it starts us? It starts us with mutual submission. Let's put a verse up there, Ephesians 5, verses 20 through 21. Now, this is to the church. This is to not husbands and wives. To the church, it says this, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ, you see? And then we jump into this section on marriage, okay? Because he, he said that's what sets up submitting one to the other, out of reverence for Christ. And then he goes, let me show you how it looks in marriage. Let's go to the next verse here in Ephesians. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Why do you submit to your husbands? Because you submit to the Lord. Okay, so there we go. Mutual submission. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And then a few verses later, we have, you know, something spoken directly to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Think about what Jesus did. We talked about it a lot last week. We sang about it just a minute ago. Jesus, on his own, chooses to submit to the will of his Father, right? He does not have to go to the cross. What did Jesus do? How did Jesus, how did Christ love the church? He gave himself up completely, and he chose to do that. Didn't have to, you see? And so, therefore, that is how husbands ought to be submissive to their wives. And so as husbands, leaders in their households, if we get it right, we lead in doing that. We never just go, hey, I'm exerting authority over you. So that's, that's how things really look here. But let's go back to our text. Back to verse 1 of chapter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Now, that one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Let me just tell you a little secret, if you didn't know it already. Men rarely respond 
well to nagging. Can I get an amen? Come on, amen. That's what I'm talking about, right? So what, what, what Peter's saying here, you're not going to be, your husband doesn't respond to the word. I don't know if you're just going to keep just nagging him, badgering him to death. I don't really think that's going to work. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite verses uh, in all of Scripture is, um, where is it? Proverbs 21.9. You know what it says? And it's just the word of God. It says, <laughs> it says, it is better to live in the corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. <laughs> Can we get, can I get an amen? Come on. That's the word of God. And so here's what that's about. What that is about right there. So, you know, you have a quarrelsome, if you're a husband, you got a quarrelsome, nagging wife. I think God's going, you know what you ought to do? <laughs> Lower those attic stairs and make your little room up top, you know? It'd, it'd be better for you there. Uh, likewise, wives, be subject to your husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. By the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, the conduct of a wife that is respectful. You know, at the end of that passage in Ephesians on marriage, it says, husbands, love your wives. But then it says, but wives, respect your husbands. You know why? Because we're just made different. Okay? But that does not mean that those things are mutually exclusive. Of course not. Love and respect are completely intertwined. But for some reason, God, through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, wants to just focus a little bit more on respect. And when men... Husbands just feel nagged down. This, this doesn't feel very respectful at all. So how do you win over an unbeliever, wives, if you're married to one? How do you do it? Nagging's not really going to help you. But what the Lord says to us through this passage is that they may be won over, even without a word, by the conduct of yourself. So here it is in Ephesians 5.33 is the verse I just referred to. However, let each of you love his wife as himself. That's to the husbands and the wife that she respects her husband. And then we go on to verse three and four of our passage this morning. And here's what it says. It says, do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, is, which in God's sight is very precious. So, Peter is not telling us here that women shouldn't braid their hair. He is not telling us here that women shouldn't wear jewelry. Because if you continue the thought, I mean, he's obviously not saying anything. You know, should women wear clothes? Absolutely, right? That's where it says. So we're not but worried about so much about the external, the braiding of the hair, the jewelry or whatever. And so we're still talking about women, wives, trying to win over their husbands to the Lord. And so here's what we got. It's like, you know, you don't need to nag him. And also, you don't need to try to seduce him, you know. Although as I'm thinking about it, I don't know, nagging doesn't work. But if, you know, if you think wives are dressed up and look all fine, probably a better chance, I think. <laughs> you know, I go for that one over that one. But here's the deal. It still would not be what? It wouldn't be pure conduct. It would still be manipulative. Manipulative. And that is not what God esteems. What does God prioritize? What's right there in the text, right? It says, hey, he, he said, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. That's what's precious in God's sight. 
not nagging, not manipulation of any sort of thing. And so for wives, that's what you do. That's what you're about as you, again, not because your husband deserves it by any stretch, but it's because of who the Lord is in you. It's because of Christ in you. Out of reverence for Christ, we do these things. Now let's go to the next verse. Verse 5, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves. That's going back to the gentle, quiet spirit. Used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. Verse 6, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear what is frightening. What in the world? How many times has my wife called me Lord? Not even once, I don't think. Maybe we start that tomorrow? No, you think? No, of course not. But here's the language of the time, of course. You know, Sarah right there in this instance, and you know where to find it? I wrote it down. Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verse 12, is really the only time that we see that actually Sarah refers to Abraham as Lord. And so you just want to go, man, what was that like? Was she like, oh, Abraham, let me kneel down. Yes, my Lord. I, I, don't, I don't get that sense at all. For in that very story, what happens is, you know, Abraham's old, Sarah's very old as well, and they don't have any kids. I wish they did. And then the Lord comes down. The Lord comes down and is outside the tent telling Abraham, look, when I come back in a year, you don't have a child. You know what Sarah's doing? Sarah's on the inside the tent going, What'd he say? <laughs> you know, she's on the inside of the tent. She hears. And then, you know, what does she do? She laughs. And then she's talking to Abraham. And she said, well, you know, if my Lord and I going to have, you know, have kids at this old age, I mean, she's just going, what in the world? And then that's when the Lord, capital L Lord, says, hey, don't laugh. I can do anything, you see. But still in that moment, what is, what is Sarah doing? She is going, okay, I'm giving reverence to, um, respect to you know, my own husband. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So I don't really see that in that tone as something, you know, Abraham just really exerting himself over her and being like that, because that's actually, and we'll see in a second, that is the last thing that we as husbands want to do. That's the last thing. We don't want to be about that. Likewise, wives. And then we get to the, to the last verse of our passage this morning. Likewise, husbands. We only get one verse here. But this verse is loaded. Verse 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now here, once again, I think throughout the, the, the thrust of everything that we're reading in 1 Peter, we could conclude that, you know, that is still a husband talking to maybe an unbelieving wife, but neither here nor there, because the, the concepts are the same, no matter what. He says, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And I want to stop on that, on that phrase right there as the weaker vessel. So what does that tell you? That tells you that the husband is the stronger vessel. So what do you do with that? Well, New Testament, when we see vessels, it's really, and when the vessels are referred to more often than not as our physical bodies. You know, we're, 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 well, we're vessels, we're jars of clay. You've heard that. And so here's what I think ultimately, and I think it's more than this, but it's at least this. 
that what Peter is talking about right here, what God is telling us through his word, is that men do not need to exert their physical power over someone who he has created with less physical strength in general. Okay? Now, here's how I see it. When you think about vessels, I've told, you know, New Testament clay pots. At our house, you know, in Baton Rouge, and I hope we have, a, hope we have one of these in the house that we're about to move into here, uh, we always had a big drawer, big, deep drawer. You know what was in there? A bunch of plastic cups, you know? We get cups from Mardi Gras parades. We get cups from LSU games. And sometimes just the restaurants just give you a plastic cup. We always kept those cups. And what can you do? You can wash them and throw them in the drawer. But you know what we also have? We also have crystal glasses, you see, but also a vessel. One, a little bit stronger, right? Crystal glass, more fragile. And so therefore, I think what needs to happen right there is those vessels need to be treated differently. We've never thrown a crystal glass into that drawer at the plastic cup. As a matter of fact, for a long time, we had actually a china cabinet. We had to put those crystal glasses in a cabinet, close the doors, and shine lights on them. <laughs> you know? Much more valuable, the weaker vessel, much more valuable than that plastic cup, you know? And so, and just, just for an illustration of mutual submission, I've been trying to get rid of those crystal glasses for 25 years since Meredith and I have been married because I don't think we've used them three times. I really don't. But, hey, you know, here's the deal. She likes them, we got them, so there they are. But it's, <laughs> we don't have that china cabinet anymore. That's, I don't know what we're going to do. We're just going to probably put them in an attic somewhere else and then put them in an attic somewhere else and move again. That's just what you do with stuff like that. But I want to I just take a tangent, another tangent. I guess that was one. Uh, another tangent, sorry. Mm. Another tangent on this weaker vessel, stronger vessel thing. What's inherent right there, and it's crystal clear, is that God has made man and woman differently. And that is a crazy, crazy, crazy topic today. This day and time where so many people I was, I, think I was born a male, but I think I was really born a female with, you know, male parts and all the other stuff. And I know big in the news right now is like, and I don't even watch the whole story because I just get so fed up with the absurdity of everything going on in our world. But I know, and honestly, I don't know any more than what I'm about to tell you, except for there is a swimmer someplace who was born a male with all the strength of a male, with all the testosterone that runs through a male's body, and then goes, yeah, you know, I'm flipping that, I'm female. And guess what? Winning the races now. I think it was like this, this person was like 400th in the world or something like that, um, something along those lines, in the male division. Now he's bringing home the gold in the female division. And people outside of, not Christians necessarily, not what has God done? What does God think about gender? These are just people going, this is kind of messed up, right? Um, and so I saw something, I saw an interview, um, and it was, um, the guy was asking a young college girl, he said, hey, you know, what do you think about this whole swimming thing? And the girl was, she said, well, you know, he, he identifies as a female, so, you know, he's a female, she should be able to, you know, race with the women. And then the Interviewer was like, yeah, but he's got all the strength of a male for all these years, and he just decided to switch over. Do you think that's fair? And her answer, ooh, scary to me because this might be where our culture's headed. She's, she said, right now I think it's right that she races with the women because he identifies with a woman, and right now we only have two gender competitions, male and female. We don't have the other ones. 
I'm like, oh my word, where are we headed with that? Because here's what you have to understand. Now, from a Christian viewpoint, right here, we're just, we just saw, it was just, hint, stronger vessel, weaker vessel. You know, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, here, here's what it says. Listen to this. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Hear this, male and female. He created them. Male and female, God creates. And so as a Christian, as somebody that believes in the word of God, that we know that God is the creator of all things and he is the sustainer of all things. And so if you go, okay, I'm there with that, but I think maybe God messed up that gender thing when I was born. How absurd is that? If you are a male who, you know, I don't think it's more culturally like a female. You're into different things and, you know, the stereotypical guy might be into and, or female, vice versa. Yeah, okay, those are, those, are, those are things to deal with, to talk through, to, to work through. But I don't think that means that your gender is now off the table for the way that God designed you. You are a male with issues or a female with issues if that is what's happening within your own mind and heart. And our culture today really is pushing that out there, and a lot of people are confused. And so I just want us to just be clear on that. Stronger vessel, weaker vessel, he created male and female, and God does not mess up. He didn't go, oh, wow, I can't believe I did that one, you know. It is. What does it say in Ephesians 2? We are his workmanship. The almighty God, the all-powerful God, we are his workmanship. Males and females are created differently. And within household models, he gives different sorts of, of structure. That's just God and his word, right? But here's the thing. What we got to get back to here is what is the point? I'm sorry for that tangent. Um, here's the point where it says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Hear this. Showing honor. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are what? Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. You honor. For us men, this is like likewise husbands. Husbands, we are to honor our wives. You know, going back to those verses in Ephesians, it says that we are to nourish our wives. What can we do to give them strength? Going back to the same verse in Ephesians, we are to cherish our wives. Right? That's why you put the crystal glass in the china cabinet and you don't throw it in the drawer. We are to nourish, we are to cherish, we are to honor, and we are to see them as heirs with us. So as we go through this whole thing about you know, living in a world, how can we be responding to God? It's likewise, wives, here's some things that God would tell us this morning. And likewise, husbands, here are some things that God would tell us this morning. And I want you to think about it like this. How does our relationship, like we talked about last week, how does our relationship with the Almighty God affect the way that we deal with people in our workplaces or at your schools, right? And then the week before, how does our relationship with God affect the way that we deal with governing authorities, especially when we don't agree with them? And then today, how does our relationship with God himself affect the way that we see our marriages, that we work within our marriages? Because it's ultimately about him, you see? And so when Adam was created, it was, it was deemed, God's like, you know what, there needs to be somebody else. And then Eve was created there for what? For his good. And for those of us who 
have the opportunity to be in marriages, you know already that it is your spouse that will, that will chisel you, that will, you know, will call out you know, your own issues, that will help with your sanctification more than anybody else in the world. And so when it gets tough, when it gets to where we have difficult circumstances, what we are to do, right? I'll speak to the husbands again. Honor, because they're heirs, nourish, cherish, be in that. Wives, be respectful, have pure conduct and motivations without manipulation. All of these things is what, is what we're told here today. And when it works out that way, when you have wives wanting to submit to their husbands that way, and you have husbands wanting to die to themselves like Christ died to the church, oh, it, it's just, it just works, you know? There's not really power struggles in that. It works. And so here's what I also want to just point out, because sometimes people will read these verses, they'll pull them out, and they may say, hey, here's the deal. We just need, we got to stay in our marriages no matter what. Well, we don't have the time and the space today to talk about, you know, what does the Bible say about divorce, so on and so forth. But I would say this, and we would say this. Uh, I actually ran this um, with our elders here this week. Um, we, as Allen Bible Church, have no patience um, for any sort of physical abuse going on in homes. For stronger vessels, using their strength in any sort of abusive way for weaker vessels, we think you ought to get out of that situation. Maybe God can redeem it. If you need some help, we are here to help. And so I don't want you to misread that passage and think that's what you should do. Okay? Make sense? Because here's the deal. Look at, look at, the, look at the last line of our passage. If you, don't, if you don't honor, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And here's what, if you don't, it says, your prayers will be hindered. Think about that. So if you are a man in a household and you're going, hmm, 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 and you're exerting your strength over your wife and then go, hey, God, let me prop to you. God's going, hey, I don't, I don't even, you know, I'm not even hearing you, you know. Your prayers are hindered. And so that is just a dramatic and direct illustration of how our marriages absolutely relate directly to our relationship with the Lord himself. And so my marriage has not been perfect by any stretch. And uh, Meredith can probably do a 12-part series on, on the <laughs> imperfection of, of what, me as a husband. But, and because I don't stand up here, hear me, I don't stand up here um, really ever uh, to go, let me tell you all how I got it right. And this is what the Bible says. And yes, no. You know, we've, um, thanks be to God, we've had um, 25 great years of marriage, really have. Um, and we talk about it. And, you know, we've never really had a really hard year. Um, we've had some hard seasons, uh, but in all honesty, Meredith and I got into an argument, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, something, four weeks ago, and I'm going to tell you, out of 25 years, it was probably one of the top five, ten. It was a tough one, you know? She said some things she shouldn't have said, and I said, you know, that's it. <laughs> I said some things I shouldn't have said, you know? You just don't get it right. I mean, marriage is, marriage is tough, 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 but again, it's a sanctifying process for both of us. Not because I needed it. And not, 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 let me change that. Not because I deserved it and not because she deserved it. Although we do. But it was really like, Lord, how do you want my wife to chisel me, to shape me at this moment? And let's, and let's go for that. So that's my hope and prayer for all of us. But the overall context is government, 
workplaces, homes. Our relationship with the Lord guides our relationship with everybody else. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for the time, um, and thanks for uh, revealing yourself through your word, no matter how challenging it may seem. But Lord, we know that you are good. We know that you are sovereign. We know that you're in control. We know that you don't make any mistakes. And Lord, is even as uh, today's message stirs some things within a lot of us, if not all of us, we just ask um, for your presence to be so strong within us, Lord, that you would bless us and that you would help us to see the things that need to change and you would help us to celebrate the things that are going right, that, that we would always have our eyes focused on you, Lord, that we would never, ever take our eyes off of you. And Lord, that in and of itself, the ability to do that is grace and a blessing and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Appreciate um, you being here to worship with us today. These folks coming up right here, uh, folks that are just passing through town, um, coincidentally, uh, this is, um, these are my wife's parents. Uh, this is Edwin and Mary Carol Dale. And um, I guess another motivation for me over the years is to treat my wife well as, um, so that this guy didn't punch me in the mouth, you know? <laughs> but also I want to say this, you know, even the, <laughs> even this song that we're singing, there's, there's a verse in there that just talks about the Lord's presence being with us to our children and our children's children. That is the blessing. And um, I bring these guys up because they're, um, they're an illustration of that. Uh, like many of you um, who've just tried to live for the Lord and live, live for the Lord through your marriage, 
And so I just, since you're here, I want to thank you guys for that again. And um, Edwin, why don't you just, um, just bless us out of here. I've been chiseling. I want you to know that. Pray with me, please. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we, we came here to worship. And Father, we've worshiped in song. We've worshiped as we heard that you loved us and you were so good and we've sung that. We've worshiped as we've seen two young men from this church getting ready to go out and do exactly what you commanded all of us to do. And that's to share the gospel. Father, we worshiped and when we broke the bread and when we took the juice, representing your broken body and your blood that you died for us. We worshiped as we heard your word proclaimed. Thank you for Mike and thank you for what he said. Father, now help us to worship as we go, as we do exactly what you've asked us to do. Go and share the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dismissed.